All right, well, good morning. Welcome. We gather here in the presence of Almighty God, and I want to invite you to uh, join in in this response to come to God's goodness, and, and welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We are those who gather here, we're in person, but we also want to join and welcome the, those who are joining online and say that by God's grace and by His Spirit, we can worship together. We're thankful for that. And as we begin our time, just to point out a few announcements. If you look at the order of your worship and the, on the inside of the, the front cover, there's some information about the service. Just want to make sure that you're aware of that, especially if you are visiting. If you're visiting, so glad that you can join us today. We're thankful that you're here. A couple things about the service. We're, during this time, we're having a little shorter services than normal, about 45 or 50 minutes. And so um, if you want to give to the work of the church, you can uh, drop gifts off on the, the back of the silver offering plates or do that. Uh, on, online. Also, if you are visiting and you want to share your information with the church, uh, you can do that uh, online. You'll see in the, in the a note about how to connect with uh, our online connect card. You can share your information or the welcome table on the way in. There was um, forms that you can fill out to leave uh, your information or express interest in certain things in the life of the church. And so I encourage you to, to do that. Uh, the other thing, I think the, the deacons, are the deacons making an announcement? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rob's going to make an announcement about ways that we can be uh, partnering with World Relief in their welcoming of refugee families here in Chicago. Uh, yeah, as Chad mentioned, um, we're looking, obviously, with the th things happening in Afghanistan, World Relief is uh, taking on a lot of uh, refugees here in the next couple months, so there's a lot of need, and we were uh, doing a relief uh, basket or relief kit. Um, I was going to come up here and kind of explain. You can sign up for items to put together a welcoming basket for a family, but it's already filled. So I guess my announcement is a thank you that it filled so fast, and uh, we'll be talking as a, as a deacon group of maybe adding another basket here in the next week or two. Um, since it filled so fast, and then there's some other opportunities that uh, will be uh, happening soon uh, to help with some of the refugee families from Afghanistan. So thank you for filling the World Relief uh, Kit so fast. It's really appreciated. Thanks, Rob. You might notice that the Rob at the microphone looks a little bit like the photo of Rob in the Order of Worship in the back and the announcements. So if you're interested in supporting Rob's work with Hockey Ministries International, you can find out more there. But take a look at the announcements and things happening in the back of the order. You'll see different ways to get involved and serve and, and connect at the church. Well, God hasn't called us to come. He's interrupted our normal days and schedules to come and to respond together as his people. So let's take a moment of quiet, prepare ourselves. Oh, before I do that, dismiss the kids. I forgot to dismiss the kids. The kids are dismissed at this time for the preschool class and the children's worship class. They can head to the back, and Melinda is there to meet them at the back door. That, those classes will go the length of the service and finish the same time the, the service does. Let's take a moment now of quiet to prepare ourselves to come and to worship God. Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 146. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Lord of oh my soul, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. 
will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He, he upholds the widow and the fatherless but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my
Please be seated. Let's pray together. Almighty God, gracious Father, uh, you lead us out of places of death and darkness into life and peace. As we continue our worship now, Father, make us aware of your presence. Fill us with yourself. God, remind us this morning that we are sons and daughters, co-laborers, heirs of your promises. Remind us, Lord, that we are in Christ. Father, we, we come feeling the exhaustion in this world. We're tired of all of the uncertainty, longing to be together more fully, longing to be out from under the protection of a mask, of being separated and cautious. But Lord, as we continue to travel in this wilderness, remind us even more of our need, of our dependence. Sustain us with the bread of life, your son, Jesus, even as we travel through the dark valleys. Father, you are our only true refuge, our steadfast shelter. We seek you and, and need you and long for you. Even when we run from you, even when we wander long and far from you, even when we squander the blessings and the gifts you have given us. You call us home, and you are eager to meet us with your lavish grace. Lord, make, make known to us your, your presence. Meet those of us who feel really near to you and those who feel really far from you. Those of us who are happy and filled with joy and those of us who sit in darkness and sadness. Meet us this morning with your gracious presence, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we turn to God now to acknowledge our sin and our need, and we do this knowing that God is rich in mercy and grace. And so we'll confess our sin together as a church family and then have a time of quiet personal confession. Oh Lord, have mercy on us. Give, give us courage to see our sins and confess them to you. We pray for you to restore us, that we may live a life of peace and joy, that you may be glorified by our love for one another. Merciful God, in your presence we confess our sin. Although Christ is among us, we cling to your anger and resentment and our judgment of one another instead of enjoying the freedom of your reconciling love. Set us free to trust in our Savior and to love one another. Amen. Please take a moment of quiet personal confession. Father, we confess our sin. Lord, we know that our rebellion has brought us darkness and death. But we know that you are rich in mercy, that even when we, are, even when we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive together in Christ through his death and resurrection. 
And so we give thanks with joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, having confessed our sin, let's stand together to hear uh, the words of assurance. Please join me in our responsive passage from Matthew 5. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied.
the Old Testament lesson today. It's from Isaiah chapter 34, verses 4 through 35, verses 4 through 7. Say to those with palpitating heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb will shout up for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. And the scorched land will become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water in the haunt of jackals its resting place. Grass becomes reeds and rushes. The gospel lesson is 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 15. And immediately the man became well and took up the pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. Therefore the Jews were saying to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath, and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, He who made me well was the one who said to me, take up your pallet and walk. And they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your pallet and walk? But he who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse may befall you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. This is the word of the Lord. to be here worshiping with you and a chance to look at God's word together. Thank you, Laura, for reading the scriptures. And we're going to begin a new sermon series today. You'll see a note in your order uh, that we're going to look at chapters 13 through 17 of John's gospel. Uh, These chapters are sometimes called the upper room discourse or the upper room ministry. And this is a, a time where Jesus has left kind of being in the public and has gone with his closest friends, his disciples, to offer final actions, final prayers, final instructions right before he is betrayed, arrested, and crucified. And my hope is that as we look at these chapters, that we will have a chance to think again about what is the nature of the church and also what is our mission, what is Jesus calling us to do as his people. So let's look at our passage. This is John 13. 1 through 17, you can follow in your order, or you can just listen as I read. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and is going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, 
Do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. For you know these things. Blessed are you if you do them. This is God's word, given for our good. Well, the uh, scholar N.T. Wright, when talking about the Gospel of John, uses this image. He says it's like a pool of water, a pool of water, safe for a child to paddle around in, but deep enough for an elephant to swim in. Can you picture such as that? Safe enough for a child to kind of wade around or paddle, but deep enough for an elephant. Accessible, welcoming, deep and mysterious. If we can picture this pool of water, I want to suggest that during chapters 13 through 17, there are two currents that, will, that kind of stir the water continuously. The first current that we'll encounter speaks of Jesus, Jesus himself, him speaking about who he is and his actions. In Jesus and his words and ministry, we find the answer to the question, who am I? See, that first current tells us about who he is and what that means for us. But there's another current that stirs the water as well. It's the current that Jesus gives a call, a call to live out, to express our union with him. And in following him and his pattern, we find the answer to the question, how are we to live? So these two questions will swirl around us as we look at these passages over the weeks ahead. Who am I and, and how are we to live? As we look through our passage today, I want us to, to, to think about those two currents. The, the first being expressed that Jesus acts to wash his disciples' feet. Jesus acts. And the second current is that Jesus calls. He calls us to follow his example. So let's look at this first part. Jesus acts to wash the feet of his disciples. He moves to care for them. And we start by hearing that he knew the hour had come for him to depart from the world. And he knew that what was ahead of him was betrayal and death. Yet we read that Jesus loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them right to the end, to the utmost. So he got up from the table, set aside his robe, put on an apron or towel. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of his disciples and drying them on the apron. The scene opens in a normal way at the celebration of Passover, but the details quickly become unusual. Even if we're familiar with the story, we need to recognize that things became unusual and strange. 
culturally washing the feet was low work, the stuff of servants. But here it's being performed by the leader, and we, we get the sense of this surprise and even discomfort or shock when Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? This is unacceptable. It's uncomfortable. And Jesus makes clear with his language that there's more going on here, that he's certainly caring for their need, but it's pointing to something deeper, mysterious. The action, the laying aside of his robes to put on a towel. Echo Philippians 2, which says that Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. The word who was with God, the word who was God, became flesh. He laid aside his clothes of glory to put on our human nature in order to wash dirty One church father wrote, He who wraps the heavens in clouds wrapped round himself a towel. He who pours water into the rivers and into the pools tipped water into a basin. And he before whom every knee in heaven and earth and under the earth bows, he knelt to wash the feet of his disciples. We're invited into this image of who God is. See, the washing of the feet symbolizes Jesus' self-giving and redeeming love for us, but it portrays at the heart the meaning of the incarnation. God come to us to serve and to minister to sinners. This is, so why, Peter says, this can't be. <laughs> Jesus, you're too great. You'll never wash my feet. Jesus replies, I must wash you. If I do not wash you, you will have no share with me. The prophet Isaiah says that we all, all of us, everyone here and everyone we'll meet, have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous deeds, even our best efforts, are like a polluted garment. And in Christ, we are invited to see in this moment, this picture in Christ that we can be those who have been washed, served, and loved by God. You see, the washing of the feet, this action of Jesus, not only tells us the, the radical nature of the incarnation, but invites us, as we think about who we are, invites us to ask, can I let myself be loved? Can I let myself be cared for? Can you let yourself be loved and ministered to by God? See, in Christ, there is, we can stop seeking other cleaning, other paths to acceptance, other ways of purification, and we can rest in the work and care of our God who took on flesh. But at the end, we see that Jesus declares, you are completely clean. If you have share with me, you are completely clean. So who are we as a church? Well, to understand that, we have to see Jesus acting for us. For it's his washing, his actions towards us that bind us together and form our identity as a church, 
That's the first current for us to feel in this passage. But not only does Jesus act, he offers a call. The second current that swirls around us in this pool is that after washing his feet, Jesus calls them to follow his example, to follow his pattern. If I, the master and teacher, washed your feet, you must now wash each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern, an example for you. What I have done, you do. I was thinking about a pattern. What is a pattern? When do we use one? It came to my mind. Maybe you can think of a coach showing someone how to do something in sports, or maybe a pattern that you follow in a drawing or a craft work. What came to my mind was when I have to fix something in my house or something's wrong with my car. The first thing I do, right, is I look on YouTube to find somebody that will show me what I'm supposed to do. And I can try to follow their pattern. It always seems to go better on the video, right? But we know what a pattern is, something to copy, something that shows us what we're supposed to do, a, a tracing that we're, that's created that someone else can follow. And so Jesus has made clear that he has come to wash the feet, to make clean his people. And he turns and says to us, follow my example. Use my pattern to guide you. Jesus makes clear that, that this foot washing has deep meanings, not only about who he is, but revealing the true nature of love, the true nature of relationship. It's a model for how we are to treat one another. And as we reflect on that, I want to look at two thoughts about what that means for us or how we might reflect upon it. The first is it's right for us to acknowledge that this pattern disrupts the, the common ways of our own hearts and the common expectations of the world around us. We have to start by saying that this disrupts how things normally go. Remember Peter's surprise. His reaction to Jesus engaging in this dirty job reminds us that this understanding of love, God bowing down to serve sinners, was not appreciated in the broader culture of that day. And following it would have been viewed as foolishness. I think that's still the case for not just Peter, but for our day-to-day -day lives as well. But yet this is the very pattern, the notion of taking the low place, the job that people don't want, to take the humble position to serve others, even sinners. This very pattern is the subject of the Christian gospel. Do we hear that? It is the subject of the gospel that we proclaim, the gospel that we believe in, the gospel that is to guide our very lives. If we try to understand what the gospel is, and we can see Jesus bowing to wash the dirty feet of sinners. One author writes, The world cannot fathom strength proceeding from weakness, gain proceeding from loss, or power from meekness. And Christians apprehend these truths very slowly, if at all. We have to acknowledge that when we hear this scene or understand it, it is a challenge to our hearts. That Jesus is inviting us to see leadership, discipleship, relationships through the pattern of foot washing, this lens of humility in service. 
And when we do that, we need to be careful that we see that this foot washing, that something that the church has held on to and talked about for many, many years, right? That this foot washing is not a romantic idea. It's not an abstract idea. Jesus washed specific feet. He washed the dirty feet of those sitting at the table with him. Even as they prepare to betray or abandon him. It invites us to think about love and relationships, community, and what it means to serve even in difficulty or inconvenience or being taken advantage of. If you're like me, it challenges our pride, maybe desire to have the first choice, the top spot, or whatever job or role is most inviting can imagine engaging in a dinner party. There's a lot of fun in a dinner party. One of the things that might not be fun is washing the dirty feet of the guests. Jesus' pattern challenges, challenges our pride. It challenges our heart and our tendency to sulk or to complain or begrudge messy things in relationships or community. And therefore, it is something that I need to hear and that we need to hear, the church needs to hear over and over again, calling us that life and leadership, the church, is to follow the pattern of Christ, the one who is above all, who washes the feet of sinners. So not only does this pattern disrupt our culture, but it invites us to think about how we might cultivate this in our own life. How might we cultivate it? Well, I suggest that one way to do this is to think about the virtue that is behind this action that Jesus has, and that virtue is normally called meekness, that Jesus displays meekness. Meekness is not being weak, it's not being timid or passive, rather meekness is using your strength, your gift or your position, your power, however great or small, using it to serve others. It's a practice of restraint of not running over others or making them fit your agenda, but considering how your place could be part of or serve or connect with others. And therefore, biblical meekness is almost always connected to the idea of being gentle. Of being gentle. I seek to use my power not to run over you. And I even am willing to take a lower position or a lower task to bring the good for another. It's interesting in the beginning of our passage that Jesus' knowledge is mentioned a couple times, that he knew that his end was coming. He knew the Father had given him all things. He knew he was going back to the Father. Meekness in our life as we seek to cultivate is rooted in the strength and knowledge of God. Jesus washes their feet in full knowledge that he is the Son of God. In this identity, in his acceptance before his Father in heaven, and his standing before God, he is free, free to serve, free to even take a lower position, free to do a task that others will look down upon. Quiet strength, the quiet strength is rooted in the security and acceptance of God. That if we have knowledge of who we are in God, if we have knowledge that we are a child of God by his grace beginning to end, then we're free free to take a role that others might dismiss 
free not to receive the praise of certain things in order to serve for Jesus' name. Jesus was rejected by the world, given a poor reputation, declared and seen as a fool, yet he entrusted himself to God. When such a person has such assurance in God, such approval and rest, such identity of riches in Christ, he or she is free to act without using or exploiting others. This is meekness. May we know who we are in Christ, and may we seek to follow the pattern that he's given to us, individually and as a church. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are, and we thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that it would minister to us by your spirit. Lord, let us repent of ways in which we run over others or seek only our own good. And by your spirit, help us to know our identity in Christ that we may serve and love others in his name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand with us, please, and we'll sing together.
God, creator and ruler of the world. In your wisdom, you made all things and you sustained them by your power. You formed us in your image, but we rebelled against you. Even then, you did not reject us, but you sent your only son to redeem us. Therefore, we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. During this time, we're joining a communion together through the prepackaged uh, elements. Uh, if you um, are planning on taking communion today and you need one, can you just raise your hand or that we can bring one to you? Does anyone need one? Okay. Well, if you are participating in communion, I invite you to go ahead and, and open these to prepare them. If you're not uh, participating in communion, we're glad that you're here and invite you to see the, this table, the bread and cup as signs as an invitation to know who God is and his love for us in Christ. In our passage from John, we see Jesus love his disciples to the end, to the fullness. He washes their feet, inviting them to think about what it means that they have been made clean, fully clean. It's the same group that he's washed their feet that later at the table, he holds up the bread and says, my body has been broken for you holds up the cup and says, my blood has been shed for you. It reminds us of the good news and the wonder. I was pierced for your transgressions. I bore myself and my body your sins. I purchased you with my blood. Christ has loved us to the end by his work giving us a place at the family meal of God. If you know of your sin and have trusted Christ, then this meal is for you. Not because of what you've done or will do, but because of Christ's redeeming work for you. Let us come in faith and receive this ministry of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table. We pray, Lord, that you meet us here by your spirit. Lord, let us know again your love and the rest that we have in your grace. And in the knowledge of who you are and your love for us, let us go forth as your sons and daughters, seeking not places of glory, but places of service in your name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it 
saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. When Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins, let us drink in faith. Please stand with me that we can respond to this table of grace together with prayer and song. Lord Jesus Christ, you have made us so that we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Give us a hunger for your word, that, and in that food, satisfy us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Receive now God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. You may go in peace.